this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to be looking at this topic of you having a place and a purpose in life. Um, I don't know about you, but I've felt <laughs> many times throughout life that I didn't quite fit in, you know, that my purpose was not quite as strong as other people's purposes. And that yeah, it felt that way at work, I felt that way at church, even with family and friends at times. But, um, you know, God has a place and a purpose for all of us. And we're going to be looking at Acts 6 uh, this a little bit more closely. But but here's here's what I'd really like to, to, to address, and that is that serving people, serving the needs of people is going to give you a place and a purpose in life. I found this to be true over and over again. You find uh, a need and you go fill it and it makes you feel like you belong. It makes you feel like you have a purpose. But, you know, before we look at the story in chapter in Acts chapter six about serving, I'd like to look at some facts really quick. In fact, there's three facts that I'd like to to address concerning the topic of serving. The first one really being uh, somewhat of a self-serving purpose for serving. Okay, so hear me out on this, but. Listen to this. Serving a need is the only legitimate path to promotion and success. Serving a need is the only legitimate path to promotion and success. I read a book uh, several years ago that I wouldn't go as far as saying it changed my life, but it certainly impacted me. And it was a book called Customers for Life. And in this book, it's written by Carl Sewell or Sewell. Um, who's the, I believe, the son of the original uh, owner and founder of Sewell uh, Auto Group in Dallas and now in different parts of Texas and I think different parts of the country. And all he wanted to do was have the best car dealership. And he learned that serving his, his customers well would get him, give him and, and help him reach great success. And indeed it did. And so if you are in it just for yourself and you want to succeed in life, find a need and meet it. Um, I have found that every promotion I ever received came while I was hard at work serving someone else's need. In fact, here's a real selfish way of looking at it. If you want to get noticed, meet a need and you will get noticed. In fact, success is being willing to do what no one else will do. And I'll say that again. Success is being willing to do what no one else will do. Every startup, every successful entrepreneur, every successful not-for-profit succeeds when they meet an unmet need or they meet a need better than anyone else is doing it. So this is the first fact that I'd like to share with you about serving. The second fact is this, is that serving others helps with mental health issues. It's well documented. In fact, I have a list of medical journals and uh, also psychology journals um, that, that point to this. And I'll just give you a couple of thoughts about that. It, serving gives those who are struggling with mental health a sense of purpose and meaning, a sense of accomplishment. 
it boosts self-esteem, and it gets your mind off of yourself and onto others, and that begins to heal your mind, so to speak. Uh, secondly, whenever, if you let's say you struggle with, with mental health, and you begin to serve, it's going to give you social support and reduced, and reduce your isolation. It'll give you a sense of belonging, becoming part of a larger community, and that helps your mind. Uh, serving is going to give you some positive emotions that you wouldn't have otherwise. As, as acts of kindness and service will stimulate these positive emotions of happiness, gratitude, compassion, also, serving is going to distract you away from the negative thoughts and feelings that are putting you into a tailspin uh, mentally and emotionally. So, serving can help with mental health issues. The third fact that i like to cover before we jump into Act 6 is this, is that serving fills your empty purposelessness. It fills you. If you're, if you're empty, serving fills you. It fulfills you, in fact. Look at this. Helping others helps you. I love the book by Rick Warren. It's a classic, boy. It'll, it'll be around probably forever. But The Purpose Driven Life. And in this, Dr. Warren mentions several things about serving. In fact, he considers service uh, one of the five purposes of, a li- of someone's life. But... Uh, Here's some thoughts from his book is that serving is going to give you fulfillment and purpose in life. Furthermore, he says that we're created to serve. In other words, we're built to serve. When we were formed by God, he had the specific purpose of us serving one another. And it's making a positive difference in this world. It drives me crazy how so many folks blame God for the bad in this world, when in reality, each and every one of us, starting with me, we're the reason why this world is so bad. We have not served the way that we should, creating a positive difference in this world. But we can do that starting today. Influence your part of the world uh, by serving those around you, friends, family, workers, uh in your in your neighborhood, in your community, make a positive difference in this world. Uh, the, the book goes on to mention that it gives us a sense of joy whenever we serve that can't be found in other selfish pursuits. Furthermore, we need to serve in a humble, selfless attitude um, without expecting anything in return. And that's key in all of this. When you serve, you do it without incurring a debt on behalf of someone else. All right. Serving helps us grow spiritually and connects us with others. Here's some memorable quotes from The Purpose Driven Life. Listen to these. There's three of them that I'll share with you. The best use of life is love. The best expression of love is time. The best time to love is now. (laughs) I like that. Let's take action now. Begin to serve someone in need now expecting nothing in return. Here's a second quote that I like from his book, from Dr. Warren's book. Uh, We are most like Jesus when we serve others. He came not to be served, but to serve. 
And here's the third quote. Serving is not an optional extra in the Christian life. It is the essence of it. So now let's start with Acts 6, remembering the theme of today's podcast, which is you have a place and a purpose, and you're going to find that place and the purpose when you begin to serve others in need. Let's read, and let me read to you Acts 6, um, and then discuss some thoughts from it. All right. Now, the back, I'm not going to go through the backstory of Acts 6, except to say this, that the church, the early church, as described in the Bible, was exploding, but it wasn't without problems. And here's one of the first problems they seemed to, to encounter. It says, in those days, in Acts 6, in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, and increasing by thousands, by the way, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained. Now, let me pause here and say, whenever we talk about the Hellenistic Jews, those, those weren't the Jews that were from hell, <laughs> all right? Hellenistic means that these Jews had adopted the Greek language, the Greek culture, the Greek philosophies, and they were living a little bit different from the Hebraic Jews. And so this set of Jews that were in the Christian community complained because the Hebraic Jews were, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There was a complaint. And I'll tell you, if we would just listen to complaints, we would find needs very quickly and we could begin to serve them. Remembering again, entrepreneurs, startups, all they did was listen to a complaint, notice a need, and they, they went and filled it. Well, we as Christians, we should be even more in tune with needs. So reading on in verse 2 of Acts 6, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility Every time you serve, there's responsibility associated with it. We will turn this responsibility over to these seven men and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So you see there's seven men here they, they chose. They presented these men to the apostles, that is the leaders of the church, who prayed over them and laid their hands on them, meaning that they were appointing them to this responsibility of service of these widows. So look what happens though in verse 7. The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, I, I chuckle a little, a little bit at this. The, look what happened. When people started serving, the religious people started getting saved and becoming converts to Christianity. And boy, that's there's nothing more real than being a Christian who serves. That's going to convert even the toughest religious person. Well, let's, let's just pause here. Before we jump into the details of the story, a true story, by the way, why on earth do we serve people? What is it about serving people that's so important? And, and how can you develop a desire and a taste for serving people? Well, 
It comes first from serving God, a desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's the underlying reason of serving people is that you're serving God. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Now, let's pause and think about this just for a second. There is a hidden detail behind every directive of God, every command, every, everything that he tells us to do. There's a hidden detail or even maybe a set of hidden details that we need to understand in order to comply with what God is telling us to do or when he's telling us to not do something. I'll, let, let me give you an example or a couple of examples. You know, the Bible is full of, uh, of encouragement in telling us to obey God. And the religious people, the people who've been around a long time, they'll say, you've got to obey God. If you don't obey God, you know what the consequences are. But there's a hidden detail behind obeying God, and it's this. You've got to learn to trust God first. You've got to love God. That's the hidden detail. And when you start trusting God, then you're going to obey him. Why would you go and obey something or someone who you don't know? But see, as you get to know God, you get to trust him. And as you begin to trust him, you obey him because you know that the things that he tells you to do are in your best interest and, and expressed out of his love for you. Look, at, here's another example. The Bible is full of this, the, the command that we should love the Lord our God. Love God. Well, there's a hidden detail behind that command, and it's this. We've got to first learn to receive God's love, and when we receive God's love, we will, we will reciprocate his love back to him, and we will love him even more. Well, similarly, as we're talking about serving people, there's a hidden detail behind serving people, and it's this. We've got to serve God first. That's the hidden detail. We serve God and therefore we serve people. Here's some cool scriptures that kind of back that up in Ephesians 6, 7. The Bible tells us here, the Apostle Paul, as he's speaking to the, the church in, of Ephesus, he says, serve willingly. Do it because you want to, not because you have to. As if you were serving the Lord, not merely people. You see the, the connection there? You're serving the Lord not merely people. There's, there's, a, there's an agenda behind all of this to serve God because we love him and therefore we serve people accordingly. In Joshua 24, verse 15, we see Joshua towards the end of his life saying, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. After 120 some odd years of life, Joshua realized, hey, one of the most important things you can do is serve God. He's your creator. Why wouldn't you serve the one who created you, who built you, who thought you up, <laughs> who, who made you? Serve him. And then in Matthew 4.10, we see Jesus resisting the temptation of Satan. And Jesus says, go away from me, Satan, because it is written, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. That's why we serve people is because we serve God. So the question is, well, what does it look like to serve God? What, what is, what, what, what is, you know, what, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Well, let me give you three questions that will help, help you with kind of 
sketching out what it would look like to serve God on a daily basis, I might add. But here's the first one is, how does he want you to be? <laughs> and, and think about that question just for a second, because Joshua, as he was taking the, the reins of leadership over those 200 Two, two million people that were going into the promised land, God told Joshua how to be. He didn't immediately tell Joshua what to do. Joshua, I'm sure, wanted very clear instruction, but instead of receiving uh, specifics, God just told Joshua, he said, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. I want you to be. And if we serve God, God is going to tell us how to be before he tells us what to do, all right? He's going to tell us, I want you to be thankful. I don't want you just to thank me. I want you to be a thankful and grateful person. I want you to be a confident, a God-confident person. I want you to be a a praise-filled worshiper, okay? See, you see, God tells us how to be, but then... We ask him, and another question that that helps us figure out how we can serve God is God, come to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? And by the way, I come to you, God, with a blank sheet of paper. I want you to write your instructions on this paper uh, as an example. Write your instructions on this paper of what you want me to do. Most of us as Christians, we write up our own instructions. We turn it over to God and we say, please bless this, God. This is, this is what I want you to do. Please tell me it's okay. And that's not how it works. We come to God with a blank piece of paper and we say, God, show me what you want me to do. And then thirdly, after we know, after he's instructed us on what we're to do, we ask him, well, God, how do you want me to do this? Because let's face it. Almost anything God tells us to do is going to be bigger than our abilities, bigger than our skill sets, bigger than our experience, and we're going to need God to help us do whatever he tells us to do. So that's those are some thoughts on how we can serve God. So let's go back to Acts 6, all right? And asking this question, what, it, what did this mean, okay, to these seven men? that they were going to take over the responsibility of serving the, the widows, giving them a food distribution, and, and taking care of their needs. What did that mean to these seven men who were appointed to this task? Now, some of these thoughts that I'm going to share with you that are straight out of my own personal Bible journal, as I'm reading, I write my thoughts down. Some of them are explicit in the story, and others are implicit. We kind of, kind of surmise what uh, what this meant to these men, but I don't think any of these are too much of a stretch. So let's let's look at this. First of all, the responsibility of feeding these widows was going to take their time, is going to take these men's uh, their effort and their emotion. When we serve, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, and it's going to take emotion. We got to count the costs. We got to realize that and go in with our eyes open about this. The second thing that it it meant is someone was paying for all of this food. <laughs> Somebody was opening up their wallet and giving, uh, giving their own resources to help feed these needy widows. A third thing that it meant is these these people were going to be dependent on these men. 
And these men were going to have to take responsibility and be consistent in taking care of, of the, this group's needs. They had to have an ownership mentality. And when you serve, you've got to take responsibility and realize people are going to be depending on me. People are going to, they're, they're going to be leaning on me a little bit and I've got to take responsibility. I've got to have an ownership mentality. Now that's not to mean that you don't have clear boundaries in your life. If you're, if you're serving 24 seven, you're going to get burned out, but carving out an hour a week or a period of time every month to serve and, and saying during that time, these people are dependent on me and I'm taking responsibility for that. What else did it mean? Well, it meant that they would be doing things that they may not be noticed for. They may not get credit for. They may not get praise or accolades. And they would be doing things when no one noticed. Well, that's a true sign of service is when you do it, even when you're not going to get noticed, even when you're not going to get thanked. You go ahead and do it anyways because you're serving the Lord. You care more about what He thinks than what, than what other people might think about you. It also meant that as they served, they got closer to God. And we'll see, see some stories beyond Acts 6 that, sh- that proves this out. When you serve, you're going to get closer to God. And the Bible says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. A primary approach to getting close to God is serving people because you're serving him. It also meant that they were going to have to deal with some human conflict. We see that from the get-go in this story. When you serve people, your hands are going to get dirty. It's going to be messy sometimes. Uh, People are going to bicker sometimes, and there's going to be conflict that you're going to have to deal with. But that's just just the fact of life. The beauty of service is people. (laughs) The bad part of service is is people, right? <laughs> it's 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 a double-edged sword. And so we've got to go in again with our eyes open to these realities. Here's another thing that we see in these men is they didn't just go to church. No, they became the church. They participated in church. Uh, th- this this whole thing of service was their identity. Okay, so many people come in on Sunday mornings, they sit down, and then when the service is over, they leave, and that's all their connection to church is. But the true gathering of believers is far more than mere attendance. It's participation. It's participation through serving others. All right? They also saw the the personal and the collective fruit of their service. I mean, the church has continued to grow. The gospel continued to advance. The, the word continued to impact people's lives. And so there was fruit from this service. It also meant that they couldn't be lazy. They had to be hard workers. It, it meant also that sometimes they served in their gifts and their talents, but other times they had to serve in their weakness. And I love it in Hebrews 11. I can't remember exactly what verse it says this, but it says, whose weakness became their strength. Oftentimes, we're going to serve in our weakness. We're going to serve in situations that we don't feel super comfortable in, that we don't feel completely equipped for. But we serve anyways because our weakness will be shored up and eventually could even become our very own strength. I remember 
even I just this last year, uh, I, I would tell myself as a leader, I don't feel like I'm good at mobilizing people. You know, there's some leadership qualities that I, I probably possess, but then there's some definite weaknesses that I have. And I kept telling myself, I told my wife, I told some close friends, I just, I don't feel like I'm a good mobilizer of, of people. But you know, as I prayed, you know what I felt the Lord tell me? Get good at it. Don't just stand there and say you're not good at it. Get good at mobilizing people. And I think the Spirit of God encourages us through service to get good at what we're weak in. Here's the last thing that I, an observation of these men who started serving these widows and were appointed to do so, is their service promoted them. Their service promoted them. Eventually, Stephen went on, one of these seven, he was filled with the Spirit. He performed great signs and wonders, and he probably gave one of the most powerful sermons documented in the Bible. Okay, his service promoted him. Philip, another one of the seven, went on to become an evangelist. He performed miracles. He preached the gospel in different parts of Israel, and he led many people to Jesus Christ. So service promoted them. I think of just some personal experiences that I've had in particular, uh, twice on two occasions, we took a team of people from our church to the Los Angeles Dream Center. Now the the, the Los Angeles Dream Center is, a, I think it's a 12-story old hospital building there close to the downtown part of, our, of, of LA. And I'm telling you, this this Dream Center, they have outreaches to veterans. They have outreaches to the homeless, to um, crisis pregnancy teens. All you name it, they do it. And so we took a team to the Dream Center to spend uh, several days of a week down there as volunteers serving. We went and took food uh, to to folks on the street. Uh, we did jump in a, a a big old truck and and there was a pallets of food in the back. We went and helped with foster care. We went into very low income neighborhoods and did kids outreaches. We went to Skid Row uh, and and uh, ministered and reached out to people there. It was an absolutely incredible experience. In fact, an experience I will never forget. It enriched my life. And uh, it was interesting. Our team, after after the trip, we took one day in California and did something fun. And all of the team members said it was more fun serving than it was having this day where we were just doing things that we wanted to do. And that's how service is. It's fulfilling. It brings joy. It changes your life. So I want to just end with this. In in John 13, verses 12 through 17, um, we see that Jesus sets an example of service. Uh, you know, I'll just read it to you here in John 13. It says, when Jesus had finished washing their feet, he washed his disciples' feet. He put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Verily, I very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is there a messenger that's greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And I just ask you, okay, of all the mythological gods, of all the gods of depicted in the religions that we know of today, whether it's Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or any of the uh, other uh, religions that are out there, what god would set an example of service for those that are following him? What god would do that? Is there a a mythological Greek God that ever did that? Do we read this of the gods of the religions of, of the, of the, of today's religions? And the answer is absolutely not. There's no other God that would do that. And yet Jesus came and served us setting an example of how we were to serve others. Absolutely amazing. I'll finish with this thought. I love this, these three values, if you will. And, uh, the, the acronym is FAT, okay? Faithful, available, and teachable. And if we're going to serve, we have to embrace these three things. Faithfulness, being full of faith that, that pushes us to do good works, all right? A lot of people think they have to do good works first to become faithful to God, but that's not how it works, all right? We have faith in God first, And that pushes us to do good works. In fact, the Bible says that God has prepared good works in advance for us all to do. All we have to do is discover them. So faithful, available. I've got to come to God and say, hey, I'm raising my hand. God, choose me. I'll do it. Let me do it, God. That's availability. That's willingness. And in order to serve God and serve people, we have to have availability. That means we've got to say, you know what? I'm not going to allow myself to get excessively busy. What is it about my busy schedule that I might think is important that God might say, that's not really that important. That's not as important as you're, you're making it. So we have to be available. And the third thing, as I've mentioned, is being teachable. And, and, and being teachable simply means humble. I, I'm, I'm humble enough to lower myself to serve people in need. That's, that's, I, I hate to be cliche here, but that's what it's all about, right? Is, is serving people through humility. Let's pray a prayer here. And I pray for you that God would spark something in you and prompt you and inspire you to begin to serve those around you, to make a positive difference in this world With God's help, we can make this world a lot better place. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for my good friend that's listening right now. And Lord, as as you've really molded me and impressed on me that I need to serve, Lord, I pray that you would, that that anybody that's listening to this, Lord, that they would be inspired to serve that they would be prompted to serve, Lord Jesus, willingly, joyfully, that they would find a need, that they would hear a complaint, and they would run to the situation and, and help, Lord God, meet the need, make a difference, Lord Jesus, not in their own strength, but in the strength that you provide. So, Lord God, I pray that you'd bless us, 
help us and let us begin to serve God and serve the people around us in a way that we've never have before. In your name I pray. Amen.